and welcome to None of My Business. I'm Michael Jackett. This is a business podcast, but mainly it's about people and their business. It's driven by my own curiosity and passion for learning from every conversation. Kane Bowden, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Michael. It's good to have you on. It's, uh, it's I've generally, my network of people that I've reached out to pretty much exclusively so far has been to people that have been in my life at one stage or another and I reckon you're the longest person you know the longest time between conversations back in I reckon 1997 which was yeah what is it that long ago mate wow mate I reckon it is 97 98 when did you leave St Kevin's uh 2002 oh so I after six years yeah at St Kevin's yeah so yeah, you were you, you were in my first year of teaching. Yeah. Oh, was that your first year? Yeah. At ninety-seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ninety-seven. Right. Well, yeah, I wasn't in the ninety-six. I wasn't in your homeroom, but I I was just next door. But um, you know, obviously. Who did you have? Tony Byrne. Tony Byrne. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. He was my mentor. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. He was assigned to me uh, to get me through that first year and. Um, I, I remember it now. Yeah, you were in his class. I've got pictures coming to me, walking past. He was, um, he was a bloody good teacher. He was great. Um, yeah, really good English teacher. Really good. Learned a lot from him. Yeah. Um, so, mate, how how's seems the, like yesterday? Yeah, I know it does. When you sort of just put that memory in your head, it doesn't feel that long. Ago, yeah, but it is. Yeah. How um how are you and the family dealing with uh, everything that's going on at the moment? being locked in and locked down well mate we're we're pretty good we're not locked down we've been um well we're actually in transit we're oh. in darwin uh, oh, three weeks ago Got it. yeah so we've been up in darwin for four years um so since since last we had a, a chat yeah. we would have had yarns in the yard uh, through I'm your sure. journey through St kevin's yeah. and i i i'm guessing we did catch up sometime after you graduated but be that as it may, we mm. left. So I was in Melbourne from 1993 all the way through till 2015. We left and went to Cambodia for a year as a family and volunteered over there in a in a project. Mm. Um, so after 12 months, instead of coming back to Melbourne, we came back to Darwin, where my family um, pretty much lives. Everybody, bar Charlie, who's in Melbourne. Um, and that, that's been great, but the work that I've been doing in the last couple of years has sort of got too big to stay in Darwin, the Kalara Foundation, yeah, um, which, is, which is set up to look after young Aboriginal workers with, with housing support and mentoring support. Yeah, great. So before we jump and into so, that, just before, sorry, just before we jump into that, um, yeah. I'm really interested in the family dynamic of... You know, the Bowden family, obviously I know you and, you know, your dad and your yeah. brother played footy and, you know, but there's always, there's more to it, I think, you know, with the work that you're doing and the fact that you're all, you know, except Charlie or everyone's up in Darwin, did you say? Everyone's living in Darwin? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're all up there and we're all happy. And uh, of course, um, COVID isn't really up there. Yeah. Michael Gunner, the, the chief minister, um, was fantastic. He just he, he just saw it straight away um, that he needed to close his borders. He was two days behind Tasmania, I remember. 
yeah. um, way back in April. And he kept, he kept COVID out of the territory and, and any of the cases that came in, they were quarantined really quickly. And um, the big thing was to keep it out of Aboriginal communities. Anyway, so w we were there, the whole family's still there. Um, my brothers, um, my mum, my sister, uh, yeah, all and up what's, there. What was the catalyst, or what you know, what's been the catalyst for everyone to have you know done Melbourne and come back and go or go up there? Like, what's what's bringing time? Oh, well, yeah, we're a territory family, so our, our story is that when we were young, we went and lived in Central Australia and mm. lived in an Aboriginal community, um, and then came back to Victoria for a while, and then went back to Central Australia. Uh, to Alice Springs and kind of grew up in Alice Springs. And then slowly but surely we all went to Melbourne to study and get a degree. And, mm. you know, for some of us, it was teaching or law or um, to play footy. A couple of the boys were gun footballers. Yeah. Um, so we're a territory family. We feel like ter the territory is our place. Yeah. Uh, right. And then, and mum and dad, once they got there that second time, they never left. Yeah. Uh, so we were always going back to the territory and eventually mum and dad decided they were going to live in Darwin. Um, they actually had a plan. They were going to live between Darwin and Alice Springs with one, one son in Darwin and, and their daughter Magella while she was in Alice Springs. Mm. That didn't work out because mum got sick. So anyway, we all decided we wanted to be together because we like each other a little bit. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we actually get on. We actually, you know, like each other's company. Um, right. Sadly, Dad passed away um, nearly four months, probably four months ago now. Um, oh, sorry to hear that. But there's been a bit of sadness in the family, but mm. um, we were all there to be together and, and uh, enjoy life in the territory. Um, mm. So I've kind of put a dampener on that for everyone by leaving with, with work. That was what I was sort of getting to earlier. It was all good. <laughs> we kind of beat COVID or COVID's not such a big thing up there. Um, but I've decided with Renee, my wife and our kids that um, the action for Kalara is in Melbourne. So we're on mm. our way there. But we're actually in, in Victor Harbour, South Australia, as we speak, right. just waiting for those numbers to come down a little bit more and restrictions to ease before yeah, we, fair enough. we come across. And then you'll have to do a bit of quarantine, no doubt, when you come in. Well, I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see what happens because yeah. technically we've been in um, COVID-free uh, areas. Yeah. You know, there's unrestricted access still between the, the NT in South Australia and Western right. Australia. Yeah. Um, it's just that no one wants anyone from a hotspot. Mm. So, so I think it goes the other way, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, you know, I feel like it's just being made up weeks to week at the moment. So <laughs> who knows? There's definitely that. Yeah. Um, I'm really, it talked to me about that growing up or that time spent in the NT, you know, and how that impacted, I don't know what you wanted to do as a career or, you know, did it, did it define, did it have certain, did it create certain definitions around what you were going to do or, you know, was it still an open kind of, you know, a, a free choice for you where you, where you ended up starting your career? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we were brought up to sort of, sort of um, um, follow our own course. Mm. Um, that comes from having, you know, great parents, a great education um, and, and so forth. But when, I think you have um, 
really powerful experiences as a young person, as we did, mm. living in Urnabella, which is just on the border of South Australia and the Northern Territory, and and you spend some, some you know some genuine time there. Like we were there for a number of years, um, and you're exposed to Aboriginal uh, culture, and and you've got friendships with. Um, you know, kids your age who are living a traditional life, it can't but affect you and, and sort of plant a seed in you or, or, or put some sort of, you know, sense into you that um, that's where you might return to. And I suppose Kalara is a bit of that for me. I mean, this is a this is a, an organisation that's... Um, it's an Aboriginal organisation. I'm not Aboriginal, um, mm. but the plan is that we'll have an Aboriginal CEO within two years. Um, we've got majority Aboriginal directorship um, as an Aboriginal company, um, not-for-profit company, mm. um, and and it's aimed at working with and for um, Aboriginal people. Yeah, and I think I think that that anchors back to those experiences when I was an 11-year-old kid um, running around in in uh, Pukacha. Yeah, Urnabella. Um, not not rubbing shoulders with Mingley and Casper and Orla and all these all these amazing um, fellas. Some of whom whom we've lost now, um, mm. sadly. Yeah. Um, because of that disparity, that gap that exists. Um, mm. But yeah, does that answer the question? I yeah, think it does, I ended mate. up at St. Ke- I ended up at St. Kevin's and loved St. Kevin's because I didn't go to a school like St. Kevin's. I went to um, you know, the Catholic high school in Alice Springs. Yeah. Uh, I went to St. Joseph's in Mildura. Uh, in Alice Springs, you finish off your schooling at the one government school. It was the Saturday secondary school. It's now um, called something else, might be Centralian College. Mm. Um, so I had this fairly eclectic, fairly sort of uh, a regional, um, certainly not an elite boys school, um, in Melbourne where mm. I taught. And so I started there and really loved it and felt like, wow, this is, this is an amazing school. And I've got this opportunity to teach these, these young fellas who've grown up differently to me. But mm. all the while I was always thinking about, you know, where am I going with, with my life? And it's sort yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. It just, it, as you're sort of talking, it makes me think about, you know, that set up from a young age, seeing those, you know, being, being exposed to those, you know, um, what I assume is such a contrasting level of, um, you know, wealth and, you know, and accessibility to think to services, you know, between the Aboriginal communities and the, um, you know, like it, it, I I can't help but imagine that that's going to have an impact on the decisions you make, you know, about the work that you do, the, you know, the friends that you keep, the, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And then it plays into, it starts, you know, the the tightness of your family. And, you know, when I see, when I hear that you're living up in Darwin with, you know, the the majority of your your family and extended family, you know, like it is, that seems reasonably unique in in today's world, you know, like even after going on and having my own family now, you know, I often talk with my wife about, I get why, the Greeks and Italians and these, you know, like they kept close and they lived in the same streets and they lived down the road from one another because, you know, the family support and the family network is so important. Um, but the, unfortunately in today's age, it's, you know, 
in Australia particularly because we've got wealth. We, we're able to move away from each other and have big properties and big houses and we, you know, but it, it, it's, it sort of pulls apart that community dynamic within a family. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, mate. Um, yeah. I, I, I often think about um, the, the luck of the draw that we had. Um, it goes back to our parents. It always goes back to your parents and um, decisions they make about how they're going to bring you up. But, um, yeah, it, it's it, we, we've always kind of had feedback coming back our way around, God, you know, uh, how lucky are you guys um, and, and the closeness of the family but we just take it for granted I suppose because mm -hmm. that's that's the upbringing um, yeah. and it's only it's only when people sort of compare it or contrast it to their experience or or the norm or whatever that might be mm. Um, mm. yeah so um, so what is the what is the like the core function or what can you just explain a little bit more about the Clara Foundation and you know what you do day to day and obviously you've given me a bit of a summary but just to make yeah. just a bit more about you know how it does the work that it does well I'll start with why it exists like Great. Um, and that goes back also to what we've just been talking about I mean what who are we as people mm. um, and I think as Australians um, we all, I think there's, there's no question, um, except for a very small number of people, um, we all want reconciliation. We all want um, to have this unified sense of being Australian. And I think um, with, with my background and teaming up with Kyle Vandercott uh, and JP Whitbread, we're the founders and we came together. And obviously Kyle's a really strong and um, highly profiled Australian. Um, man, Indigenous Australian man, and, and really proud and, um, of his culture, and 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 he's just such an impactful leader. Like he, you, you're in you're in his presence, and you know you're with a special bloke. Mm. Um, and and we kind of feel that way. We feel like you know, there's no reason that Australia can't be a place where we're all proud of who we are. Mm. Um, we're all proud of our history. Um, we 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 tell the the truth about our history. Yeah, we've got this history of settlement and, and there's some horrible, horrible um, stories about what's happened to Aboriginal people uh, and, and no one um, should be proud of that or pleased about that, um, but it happened. Mm. Um, and and now's the time to come together and work together. Uh, fortunately, there's this new agreement that's come out. A few people are cynical about it, but we're not. Um, the new closing the gap agreement which is which has got much more potential to work because Aboriginal people are at the table now. Mm. Um, there's a group called the Coalition of Peaks led by Pat Turner. She's the chair and she's a strong central Aboriginal woman, Ardena woman. Um, um, I, she has more heritage than that. I can't remember the other clan. Um, and that, they are basically the power behind this, this new agreement of, around closing the gap for Aboriginal people. And we all know the statistics there. So, so Kalara exists because we believe that we can and, and should work um, together to create better outcomes for Aboriginal people. Mm. And you do that by working with Aboriginal people and by setting up an Aboriginal organisation, not, not by saying, oh, um, let's do this and, and hand out money um, because we think this will work for in this particular region for, for you. Mm. No, um, it's based on all, all my whole life of growing up and, 
and listening. Um, Kyle's, Kyle's whole life of experiencing, um, JP's experience of seeing um, poor outcomes and saying, well, let's do something really practical that is designed by Aboriginal people um, that enables this two world thing. And, mm. and so to get to what it is, it's a, it's a house for an Aboriginal person to live in, in a city. Yeah. And it's connecting um, sort of a group of houses together, similar to the work that's done at Lighthouse where I've got a lot of background um, and then having Aboriginal um, mentors um, and elders come into the lives of young Aboriginal employees who are living in these houses that are culturally appropriate. You know, they're living with other Aboriginal people um, that they're, they're most likely going to work at the same place so they can share their experience of the workplace. Mm. Um, and, and when we simplify it and the easiest way to understand it is most, most organizations are, are wonderful places to work. Um, lots of wraps now reconciliation action plans in place in, in, um, organizations that are, that are doing really great things to uh, create inclusion and um, better workplaces. But mm. what happens five to nine? So that's nine to five. Um, racism still goes on in Australia. Mm. We're not, we're not, we're not saying it doesn't. Um, but what happens after work? Well, people go home. Where do they go home to? Well, if you're Aboriginal, you're more likely to have to travel off country and yeah. be disconnected from your country. So what's the next best thing? A place where you at least feel like people get you, mm. um, where you can go home and you can relax and you can talk about some of the things that are going on for you, positive or negative. You can get some really good support from people who've been there and done that in the Kalara mentors, coaches, we call them. Um, and we can connect you to the elders um, in the community that you're in. Um, and at the same time, recognize that being connected back to country is really important as well. Yeah. Uh, and we think in doing that, we can grow the number of uh, indigenous success stories, mm. you know, more and more Aboriginal people, you know, doing well in work you know, climbing that, that ladder yeah. in the workforce, getting up into positions of leadership themselves. And then it begets itself, you know, yeah, there's great. more support. There's, 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 you know, we just, we just grow the number of Aboriginal people coming through and, mm. um, and Marcia Langton talks about it best for us. She's on our board. Um, a job, a job bring is everything. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's the practical uh, implementation of closing the gap. Yeah. You know, mm. you, you, if you've got a job, you can pay for all the things that your family needs. You can invest in an asset. You can, you can build your strength. Um, mm. The well-being implications are, are, are well known. Um, without a job, everything's more difficult. All of your outcomes are worse, Aboriginal or non-Aboriginal. Yeah, yeah, it gives you control, doesn't it? Um, do you think the concept of, as you were talking there about mentors and you know, this, this concept of leadership. Do you think it's, do you think in the Aboriginal community, Indigenous community, it's the importance of it is better understood than the non-Indigenous community? You know, like I know that leadership is important within business and sporting culture and all that sort of stuff, but I don't know. I'd just be interested to get your take on what you've seen growing up and what the, in the work that you do. Do you, do you think that they have a better grasp on the importance of it and how, to prop to be a to be a leader and 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 play that role. Oh, my my experience is that 
it, it's a it's built into Aboriginal culture that mm. that um, young people you know have to be mentored into adulthood. Um, in in some parts of Australia, there's still very much rites of passage. There's still initiation. Um, there's still all of the cultural elements of of a of a traditional life. Um, and, and people call that remote Australia. Um, I, I always have a problem with that remote from what <laughs> remote from the cities. <laughs> uh, we were, anyway. Um, so yeah, 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 yes. Um, but there's a whole, there's lots of different contexts in mm. which to try and sort of unpack that. Like there's, there's more Aboriginal people living in cities than there are living in Aboriginal communities in the Northern Territory. Mm. Um, you know, and, and our cultural practice is strong there. Yes, in some cases, no, in other cases. Um, but I do think what I, you know, in answering your question right now, there's something in, in Aboriginality, in being Aboriginal that, that just brings out this, this sense of um, bringing on the next, um, the next generation. It's stronger possibly in Aboriginal people than it is in us um, simply for the, because that's, um, uh, it's more innate. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Whereas we, 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 I think we would as non-Aboriginal or European or, or Anglo people, we would tend more to, you know, as a family unit, let's give you the tools and then you'll find your way. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're gross generalizations, but yeah, no. And look, I suppose it's a reflection of my own experience, you know, growing up and particularly in, in work environment where I've craved, I've craved strong leadership, but often been, in fact, I can't even think of a great example where I haven't been let down, but often been let down, you know, and often, often gotten to a point where the cracks start to show and, and the genuine the genuine authentic nature of, of leadership it starts to fall apart and you, and you know, and, and it's disappointing. And I just, and I just wonder if within those indigenous communities, if they have a better grasp, I mean, they literally, the little that I know that, you know, they call them their, their elders and their, and, 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 and their leaders. And, you know, like that, I just wonder. Uncles and aunties. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I just, it was something that, as you were talking, I was, there's definitely something in that and, and you're better off talking to, someone much better qualified, um, you know, an Aboriginal person yeah, um, who's thought deeply about, about these, this sort of issue. I will say this though, um, mentoring, the benefits of mentoring have been picked up on big time in, in our society. Mm. And you're seeing more and more mentoring programs um, um, in place now for the very reason you just explained because mm. young people are craving it and, and need it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of um, being strong and staying strong through your journey in life, mm. you, you, you do, you do need strong, strong leadership and mentorship. You need those um, signposts in your life and they're people yeah. um, to, to, that, that can encourage you to, um, you know, keep going when time times are tough. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important. What um, what in your kind of in your world in your role, you know, 
as executive director of Kalara, what, what are you known for? What do you bring to that role? You know, what do, what do you like to bring to that role? In a word, authenticity. Um, I think um, it's a buzzword at the moment. Mm. Um, if we go back to where we started, I grew up with parents who were just authentic. They just they were real. Um, I'm not saying I think all people are real. Um, uh, particularly our our old man. Uh, Mike, Mike Bowden, he, mm. he, he was like regarded in the communities that he was in as the real deal. People would always say, oh, geez, you, you, your, your old man, he's just, he, the authentic wasn't the word then, he's the real deal or he's just, he's, he's, um, wasn't good bloke, that was a bit too vernacular to, 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 but he had this respect, people respected him because he was real, because what he, what he did, he meant, um, if he, if he rolled his sleeves up on something, he saw it through. Mm. And I suppose, you know, when you, when you're his third son and you idolize your father, you kind of, you kind of take on as best you can, all those qualities. And then mm. that changes over time. You become your own man. And so in my role now, I don't want to be any different in my role. Um, as I am in my life, as mm. I am for my son last night, who was having some, um, he was having some difficult moments over his sporting uh, life. He, he'd had a bad game and we had to talk our way through it. You know, yeah, I just, yeah. I just want to be me. I want to be me. I want people to know that they're dealing with me. Yeah. Um, um, mm. it, it can mean that you don't, um, you, you present, you know, leadership models are always changing, but people want a strong, used to want this strong leader who you know knows, communicates really well I'm, I'm i'm comfortable with um not always you've got to cut through with clear communication but i'm, I'm comfortable being a bit clunky from time to time yeah. as you're trying to make sure that people understand what you want them to understand but mm. you you're not you haven't you haven't um, written your speech down and got yeah, it down yeah. pat and, i think it plays you know, into that I was just going to say, I think it plays into that idea, which is part of the catalyst for me doing this podcast is around that idea around um, the question is more important than the answer, you know, because through, through, through good questioning, you know, answers people that are involved and, you know, whether it be yourself or others, they're empowered to arrive at the answers and they're empowered to arrive at the right, at, at good, good quality answers. So if you become a good questioner um, and, you know, often that's about and you, and not about, that's often not about uh, that. Often that's about not stopping at a certain point and continuing to press and continuing to ask questions of people and have them ask questions of themselves. You know, it, it just, and, and that take, that takes a lot of um, courage to, to be, um, to, 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 to go that way, Michael. Mm. Um, people don't. People often don't want to be questioned. Mm. Um, you know the structures that we've created in workplaces. There's hierarchies, and you know the boss is the boss. And yeah, um, I think we've got a level playing field as much as we can, and create um, environments where people people can talk out of turn. Yeah. Um, 
you know, certainly you should have leadership. Certainly you should have uh, where the buck stops because there's, there has to be accountability. Otherwise, nothing gets done and it, or, you know, people can behave badly or organisations can be fraudulent or whatever. That, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't be that leadership just talks down to whoever else is in the organisation and says, this is how it is. Mm. Now do that. Yeah. Um, and I think the, 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 you're hitting on that there mm. um, around the need to question things. Like we, we've spent this morning at Kalara questioning the things that we're doing. Mm. Um, and I've got to be open enough and strong enough in myself, like comfortable enough in my own inadequacies yeah. to, to, to hear from people who, who are going to see things from different perspectives that I can't see mm. that that's, that's not worth doing what we're talking about. There's not, it's, it's not worth doing that. And yeah. we'll end up spending a whole lot of time heading down a path we shouldn't head down. Mm. And the only way we don't waste all that time and effort and energy and heartache is by me being able to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. If I, um, I had a quick look at your, just to refresh what you've done for the last, however many couple of decades since <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah what have i done <laughs> but just in terms of your roles and you know from a from a very from a top line and an outsized perspective you have certainly gone down the part this path of you know what i would say is very meaningful kind of work you know you're working with charities and and non-for-profits and you know these organizations that give back to the community and um you know is there what, how, how, what is that? If you were to sort of look back at your career up to this point and sort of summer, like are there particular learnings or things that you've taken away, taken, take away from that journey that you think about? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, funnily enough, I've again, been having conversations about this um, with one particular person about wanting to jump into the, the, like what you're, calling the charity sector or the non-profit sector. Mm. Um, it's great. It, it is great. Um, but you're not doing it all for other people. You're doing it for yourself mm. um, because it, it kind of what's the meaning of life. The meaning of life is supporting other people um, mm. in their lives. Uh, I hope that doesn't sound patronizing. Mm. Um, no, no. Like you never want to, you never want to, you never want to come from a point that you've got much to offer, but what you do have to offer, um, go as hard as you can, um, and work as hard as you can in, in a way that is alongside people and, and you, you, you'll just, you just feel good, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. You feel good. Not because, not because you want to feel good, but because you do, you just end up feeling good because that gives you meaning, Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, it goes back to dad. Dad died. Um, I mean, he had a good, he's got, a, had a good super account and that's going to, um, and that's looking after mum at the moment who's in care. Mm. Um, but he didn't have a lot of money. Uh, we were, were going through his things. He didn't have any things. Yeah. Um, and yet, I don't know, about 3000 people were online at his funeral yeah. um, across the country the stories that are flowing about him and what he, what he did with his life. Like he was rich, that bloke, he, yeah. he was, he was rich because, because he, he, 
it was about other people for him yeah. and he got so much back for it. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I sit on the board of a non-for-profit called um, co-ground and I, I, it, it, you know, what you said about that, you know, and, and, you know, it, that's a, that's pro bono. My time is I give to them, um, you know, and we have board meetings um, and we, you know, do other activities and projects and I help sort of connect them, you know, to more corporate initiatives and, you know, that's where my experience comes from. So I help in that space, but yeah, it's just an, it's an interesting, again, you've lived in that for, you know, the last couple of decades and it's, it is an interesting space to work in because the governance of the board and the governance of the business is different, you know, and the, and the objectives and, you know, like the, I, I just, sometimes I sit back and I reflect on my own experience sitting in, you know, management meetings about, you know, cost down, how do we drive more revenue? How do we drive it? You know, like, and, and they can just be completely different. It's a, it's a more human outlook. It's a more human objective with some of those discussions. And, and yeah, I sit, I sit there sort of thinking to myself, this is a nice environment to be in and everyone's taking it and everyone's really serious and taking it, really taking it on board. <laughs> and sometimes I sit back and smile and they're going, what the hell are you smiling? I'm like, it's just a nice thing to be worrying about is the app is the livelihood of these people, whether it be locally or, you know, we do projects in Vanuatu and, and moving into the Philippines, but you know, like it just brings something else to your day, brings something else to the meaning of your life and the meaning of what you do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's definitely more, uh, very much more uh, on a daily basis. It's there for you in terms of this is good stuff to be doing. And um, if you're not worried about becoming, uh, you know, building your own wealth, I'm not saying I don't want to have um, financial security. We do mm -hmm. as a family have financial security. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't want I don't want much more than that, and that just allows allows you to yeah focus on on the other stuff. But oh, always when I get into these conversations, I worry because so many people work in big corporations mm -hmm. and where the the bottom line's king. Uh, and I've done an MBA. I mean, I, I understand um, the the you know profit to the shareholders yeah. is key. Yeah. Um, we can all we can all question that model, but that's the model. That's the capitalist model we work to. That's right. Um, and you kind of you know you can have your philosophical views and all that, mm. but at the end of the day, more people than not work in that environment, and that's okay too. Mm. Um, because let, let's sort of tie it back to Kalara. What's what's important? It's important that people work. Yeah. It's important that because from work you can derive income mm. um if you work if your work's fulfilling you you've you've you know you've done extremely well yeah. um if it floats your boat to a certain extent that's not too bad if you hate it well go and get another job yeah. but but work, work work we've all got to work mm. um covid 19 is putting a lot of people out of work and i'm sure they'd rather be back in work and i think you know, you can you can do whatever Kalara might be doing, or Lighthouse might be doing, or um, Save the Children might be doing mm. within your own workplace, just by being kind to the people you work with. Yeah. Um, by being kind as a boss, if you're a boss, mm. um, by thinking about you know the the social aspect of the business and the triple bottom line, and 
you know, being that voice at the next meeting you go to. Yeah. And, and I, I think all of that, yeah, it's, so you don't, you don't want to, I, I always think we run into trouble when we compare the two, the two environments, the corporate environment and the, the charity or non-profit environment. Yeah, look, I, I think you're right. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the reason why I like the non-profit is we're still running a business at the end of the day. It's just, it distributes that's profits. Right. It distributes profits differently. Um, right. And, you know, so that's, and that's, that's you know, I, I've lived in it particularly in comparison to a few of the other um, board members and, and the people who run the operations. Like I've lived and worked in a different space. And so that's kind of what I bring up the commercialization of what we do. And so that's always my focus like, at the end of the day, guys, no one has a job here. No one, we, we can't have the impact that we want to have if we're not, creating you know revenue and 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 being efficient in the way that we work so it's always got that undertone so it's a, it's about having the balance i suppose of you know but i but again just to talk to the governance and the and the objectives of the business it's mm. a lot more corporates could could do and it's actually funnily enough it's starting to re, it's starting to come into so that's that corporate that social responsibility that corporate responsibility is starting to find its way into big business now so that's a good thing yeah, I agree. I think COVID's going to um, fast track a lot, a lot of that as well. Mm. Um, as, as everybody sits back and realizes that, um, yeah, you know, the surely a big part of the reason COVID uh, has impacted so so heavily uh, is because of the way in which we we live in a in a consumer society driven mm. by profit and, and um, you know, getting bigger, companies getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, mm -hmm. anyway, mm. it's good, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. It, um, you know, you, you Pleasure. certainly uh, didn't ask too many questions when I reached out to you. So <laughs> you had a bit of trust there that I wasn't going to throw you in the deep end of anything. But that's um, no, been what, fascinating. What else, what, what, else, what else can you do, mate? <laughs> um, no, it's been a fascinating. Always, always say yes. Always say yes. <laughs> if you can. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, mate. Alright, join me.